0: hairdressing, business, beauty, products, people, interviews, fitness, health, well-being. I'm Nathan Plumridge and welcome to Hair Life. In this episode, I'm talking to the highly talented Lorraine Hume. Lorraine is a salon owner and the reigning L'Oréal Colour Trophy champion, which is one of the biggest competitions in British hairdressing. We also talk about her experiences, colour trends, and what it's like to run a busy hair salon. So sit back and enjoy the show. Right, good morning, Lorraine. Hello, how are you?
1: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm all right, welcome to Hair Life.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's great, I can't wait. I know we've been trying to put this together for a little while, but finally we have got here. Um, so what I always love to do is uh, I think it's always better for you to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners. So I would love you uh, to tell our listeners about Lorraine Hume.
1: Well, I am a hairdresser. Um, I live in Northern Ireland and I own a salon called Lorraine Hume
0: Hairdressing. Fantastic. And how long have you had the business?
1: We have had this business now coming up on three years. Yeah. So I was self-employed before that, but I opened my own salon then on the high street three years ago. So it's been a really fun and exciting challenge, to say the least.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're going to get more to your business. What I wanted to uh, discuss and go back to is this moment, because this moment for me, I think, is hugely exciting for those of those people that listen to the show. Um, Lorraine has just won what I would class as possibly the biggest hairdressing competition in the uk it is one of the most coveted uh, awards that i think any salon owner can win so i want to take you back to this moment i want to kind of build the picture for the listeners um so when you were you'd entered the awards you were in the final where were you watching it
1: So what had happened was, obviously, with COVID and everything, it had all went virtual. So we decided um, that we would get all of our friends, all our family together. And we had sort of booked, like, a local bar, restaurant. They were able to, like, stream it live on, like, a projector. And it was myself and Kerry entered as a team. And I think with the year, with lockdown, with everything that had happened, we didn't expect to win anything, like, truthfully. We were just excited to have a nice time, have a nice night with our friends and family, celebrate, and even just celebrate getting to the final because anybody who gets to the final, it's such an achievement anyway. And we just wanted to celebrate getting that far. Um, And I think during lockdown, the competition really kept a fire in our bellies and kind of kept us motivated and sort of pushing forward because it gave us something to look forward to. So it was just kind of a night that was just, let's just do it. Let's just have fun, get everyone together. So basically that was what we done we got everyone together we're all in the room and we're all kind of watching it on this screen it was via a zoom and honestly like I felt like it was quite hard to follow sometimes because you're, you're we're in the zoom but also trying to watch it um and we're thinking hold on we're we're still in this like break room on zoom what what does this mean are we in are we out and um they had announced that we were the Northern Irish um regional winners and that was just insane we were just absolutely delighted even to have that um I thought if we walk away with this tonight I am just so proud of my team and so proud of everyone and whenever it was coming to the actual final whenever they called out our name it was just it was insane it was insane I just remember looking around and like All of our family were there. My kids were there. My husband was crying. It was just it was it was amazing. And I I think (laughs) I think as wonderful as it is to go to London and have that up on stage. You know, you you can't bring your nearest and dearest. And I think there was something really special, actually, about having the people who support you day in, day out, who know the graph that you put in, who know how much it means to you to have them there in the room with you was really, really special.
0: Uh, So that was really fun. I think that's I think that for me that is the most beautiful thing about that story in itself is not only did yeah. you win your regional area you won this huge award but you did it in a room full of all your friends and family yeah. and For those people that have never been to the awards, they're generally held at the Grosvenor in London. They are a huge event. It's always like tables of 10. It's ridiculously expensive to go, which is why a lot of sounds only take maybe half their team or something along those lines. So to have it in this incredible local pub with all of your (laughs) family, I think the atmosphere must have been amazing, like absolutely electric.
1: I think even the bar staff they hadn't no a clue what was going on and I think even they were just absolutely past themselves which was really really fun um but yeah just even to have our team there and just to have to have everyone there it was it was so brilliant I just I'm so glad we'd done it because initially myself and Kerry who had entered when it was going virtual we we're thinking oh well we just get like a Chinese and sit in like let's just pop it on Zoom you know and it was actually my team um who sort of said to me I think are we not are we having a party are we doing something like we should do something and then it's like okay well let's do something in the salon and then my friends got wind about my mom you know and it's like are we doing something for this we all want to do and then that's how it turned into um yeah (laughs) absolutely but it's so nice to have the support it's amazing
0: but the fact that you ended up winning both parts of that competition as well I mean, I, what's that? I mean ultimately when you look back at that even now so it's like it's like three months ago isn't it almost yeah three yeah months. like what's it been like since for the salon how's how's it been how's it felt what's the reaction been
1: I think it all it feels like a very outer body experience it feels very surreal um I think it's one of those things where you would just think how amazing would this be to happen but you just can't imagine how it would ever be um the buzz was unbelievable obviously all our clients even some of them who haven't a clue what it really means but they know it means a lot to us and you know they they're coming in with gifts and they're excited for us and they're sharing it on their social media and that means more than anything really to us is just to have the support of our clients they know what we put into like what we do and I think they then they like to reciprocate that you know to us and it's it's really cool so
0: So have you put the trophy in the window have you put it anywhere in like a real visual spot (laughs)
1: the trophy is literally we have an island as soon as you walk into the salon like a four-chair island and it is literally like center stage um it's like almost the size of me i want to say it's an epic
0: trophy it is an epic, <laughs> is is an epic. epic.
1: <laughs> they brought in the regional one like the week before and it's like a like an oscar type one and i thought oh this is really beautiful thank you so much i was so delighted with it and we put it up and everything and in the following week this gigantic trophy arrived <laughs> and i was where is this gonna go um but yeah it's it's
0: really really cool. It's lovely as well because I'm sure since then obviously the team's motivation for for more has that has that started to grow because I mean I think ultimately like winning any competition that tends to be this natural kind of after effect with the team kind of what more like the hanker for a little bit more have you have you felt that at all?
1: I think my team, the girls that I have I'm quite happy to kind of like Push them and say, come on, you know, you should do it. I don't know if the girls on my team right now would want to enter something, but I think they would definitely keep encouraging me to. <laughs> um, <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, I think it just it lets them see what's out there. You know, it's not just standing behind the chair all day. Obviously, that's what we love doing, but there is so much more to our industry than, you know, just commercially being behind the chair. And I think it does open their eyes to what's available to them out there. You know working in the salon is amazing, but there's so many opportunities elsewhere. You know, huge so many different, yeah, huge and huge it's huge. even networking, it's who you meet sometimes, um, through maybe winning awards or going on different courses, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. and it's sort of letting them see that there is another kind of world through hairdressing as well, which
0: is really and cool. I think that's the exciting part about our industry, and that's and again, that's one of the things that I love really talking about. Have you now, where did you, when you look back at that, like where did you get your inspiration for that look for that style? Because you worked with, was it a friend of yours as well? Is that right?
1: Kerry, yeah. So Kerry's a cotton specialist. Um, she's a really great friend of mine. And we met years ago. She was actually teaching a cotton course that I was on mm-hmm. and we just clicked and we've been great friends um, ever since. So obviously colour is my speciality. Um, and what was happening was Kerry was coming down and guest spotting in my salon um so our salon's obviously in like a village she's kind of more city center belfast so we were kind of like bringing the belfast girl like into the village <laughs> almost and our clients loved it because they were kind of getting their color looked after and then carrie was coming and doing their cut and it was really cool to like collaborate like on our clients um together and then I think what we kind of realized is actually hold on this is actually really good like we really gel really well together even during consultations with clients we just were completely on the same wavelength we had like almost the same thought process and we just thought like we should do something together we should do something really cool Um, so that's whenever we kind of decided to enter the color trophy So the model, um, I stalked her for ages on Instagram. She's amazing. (laughs) No, she is. And um, so I I just messaged her randomly and said, hi, thinking of doing this, you know, would you be up for it? She's so up for it. I thought she was going to be like, absolutely not. But she was like, yeah, do whatever you want. Cut my hair off. Like, love it. So she was totally on board, which is, it's amazing. it's awesome to have that from a model because sometimes you can be quite restricted and then it restricts yeah it restricts your creativity massively so when she they bring was, out a
0: contract you know, oh, you know a list of what they can and can't have
1: I know and it, the girl who's our model as well she's also a professional singer so I sort of thought oh is this gonna be no it wasn't a problem to her she was quite happy so that was amazing. um but kind of going back to what you said there about how we come up with a concept of it someone else actually asked me that when we won and I thought that's really funny actually because I didn't have a massive mood board of like what I wanted to create. And I think a lot of time with competitions, people do that. Like they'll create a look in their head of what they want to achieve. And then they go looking for a model. But mm-hmm. for us, we find our model first. And I think it's like, well, what's going to look great on her? You know, she was almost the inspiration for the look. So we had seen previous images of her with copper hair and it was insane on her. Like it was amazing. She just, so striking, so so striking and we just knew why would we change her to anything else? Why would we put a cool color on her or make her violet or do anything else? She suits this look so much oh that God. we need to go with this. Do you know why would we change her? And I think sometimes that's when people start to get confused because in their head they have an idea of I want to do a bob or I want to do this. but actually, if you put that on the wrong person, it's never gonna work. has right. to work for the model. so I feel like find your model first and then like what's going to look amazing on her and then use that as your inspiration use that as your mood board so that's basically what we've done and we knew the copper was going to look awesome on her so we've done that for our regional entries and then for the grand final um you could still do a similar look but we decided to change up a bit our hair had gotten a bit longer and we decided to go like a little bit brighter with the tone but still keeping in that color palette so it kind of like naturally progressed you know Mm -hmm. um I think when she came back in to get her hair colored, it had naturally lightened. And we really loved that. And it was like, oh wow, her hair's longer and it's lighter. This copper is faded. Let's go with this. This looks great. Um, and I think that was kind of where it came from. And then obviously adding in tones and making it our own kind of came after that.
0: It's interesting because hearing you talk like that, what it feels like is it's almost like the client journey. That you exactly. Have- so it, it feels like what you've done is you transferred what you do every single day in the salon into a high end you know, <laughs> hairdressing competition, and actually you're you're so right because that doesn't often happen. Much of it is very much focused around I found this incredible model. now, what can we do with the hair and actually, that journey is probably a lot more comfortable for you when you were creating that as well. Yeah. You, had this, you already had this beautiful person that already suited the tones and actually just taking hold of that and polishing it and making it you know high level that, that is, that's a great journey that's a great thing to do absolutely it's amazing totally so it's nice as well particularly when you got to the end there's always that thing see I love copper like copper is my it's is like ultimately it's like my favorite color I think <laughs> and, I th- and I and I think there's quite a few women that really suits it but never really do They never take it because they're afraid of the sort of, you know, can I handle that sort of tone? But actually, it makes so many women's eyes pop.
1: Oh, I love it as well. And I, my skin tone is like I could never have copper hair. It's just just not for me at all. And I think that's why I love it so much on other people, because I could never have it. But I think sometimes when people think of copper, they think of like this you know, really vibrant, crazy colour. And, you know, copper can be really soft as well. It can be really beautiful, you know, golden tones and things like that. We would try and encourage
0: a lot of our clients. Let's stay on this colour, the colour market where we are right now, because I know, I know, certainly running the salon and looking at where the hair industry is at the minute, where do you see the sort of current colour market? Because I'm, I'm at a stage, particularly even within the salon, and certainly chatting to lots of other salon owners. When you look at social media now, there's so much of it that's just the same, the same mm-hmm. balayage look, the same wave, the same curl. Do you foresee that that is going to be still here for a, you know, a decent length of time? Or is there going to be some other trend that comes in and removes balayage? Because I don't know about you, I just think like there's moments to the industry where it's become the same, it's yeah. lost a little bit of its excitement day to day. You know, you're yeah. not it's it's not as eclectic as maybe it used to be, because now you can see like so many of the women have long hair, they wear it in the same way, and so many social feeds are hundreds and hundreds of exactly the same look. Where do you think it's going? Where do you see a potential change?
1: I think with social media, some I think you have to stay true to what you like to do. And I think a lot of the time people do it because it's almost like the Instagram rat race. It's like, if you're not doing it, like, you know, you're going to be frowned upon or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as hairdressers, we see lots and lots of hair on our Instagram because we follow lots of other hairdressers. Mm -hmm. I don't think our clients see that because our clients probably follow us and maybe a few other local hairdressers. You know, they don't have that all day like the way that we would. So I feel like from my salon Instagram, I probably would continue to post pictures of hair. Um, I think it's almost the content that you need to put with it. I think if the content is engaging and if clients are learning something from that, then absolutely go with that. I think when people just put up hair pictures, like you said, it becomes monotonous. It's just like another balayage, you know, another whatever it may be. And we do start to get a little bit bored of it. I think sometimes when we're doing it all day, but I think clients wouldn't get bored of it. Um, but it's who you're speaking to. So my salon Instagram, it's primarily for clients. It is not for other hairdressers. It's purely client based. It's professional. You're not going to see pictures of my kids on there. So for that reason, I would continue with that because that's what clients want to see. Um, but I think videos are massive now. People are loving the likes of Instagram, reels, really like TikTok. Um, and I actually seen a video someone had put up, I think it was like Sophia Hilton had put it up the other day. And it was something like, you know, being a hairdresser is not good enough. You know, now you have to be a photographer and a videographer and an yeah, editor and, you know, all of these things. And I thought that's so true though now because there is so much. Um, and I think as long as you do what you like to do and stay consistent at it, you'll enjoy doing it. But I think if you're trying to do it just purely to keep up, I think you will start to resent it. So I would say just do what you want to do. Cause- and
0: do you do you always feel that, uh, I think there is this massive shift with socials because certainly I always think that Instagram is very much focused around almost more of the professional than the sort of client. And there's still, I think if you look at the statistics, I think Facebook is still the, the biggest uh, mm-hmm. one that clients are actually driven to for business but actually in terms of ideas so much of it then comes from Instagram and and inspiration comes from there so I always think it's quite heavy for hairdressers you know it's 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 that it's almost where we get inspired by so visual yeah yeah so I always wonder whether that whether that is a client thing but do you mix your feed up as well so and um, so
1: my on the salon Instagram, yeah, so I almost have like a grid aesthetic, if that's what you want to call it, um, yeah. where it'll not always be just hair, hair, hair. You know, there could be a salon picture in there. I think it's important, especially for new clients, to like familiarize them with the salon. Um, I know I've seen the videos that you've done of your salon, which is like a client experience. I think that's really cool. Um, And it sort of lets them see maybe who's going to be looking after them, what it's going to be like to be in your chair before they've even got there. And I think that's really important. Uh, We would share products, you know, different things, breaking up like almost our Instagram feed. So it's not just purely hair, but we don't post every single day. Maybe that Instagram would say that that's wrong, but I would rather post. And then whatever comes with it is like good content people are going to stop and they're going to read it it's not going to be like oh here she goes you know she's she's awful monarchy and then they just kind of scroll past so i would make sure whatever we're putting up there's a reason behind it we're talking about colors we're maybe giving advice something like that i think
0: that's really important that's that's where i think there's a big shift and it's really for me it's really interesting because we're doing quite a lot of other shows coming up talking about sort of socials because there is a huge shift and i think now the client is definitely looking at more of the emotional journey within the salon and actually i think the way that certainly like instagram is sort of changing its algorithm they want more video but they want it Mm -hmm. to be more education they want it to be more entertaining and i think that's where we're going to probably start seeing less pretty hair pictures and actually more education you know more learning and actually i find that quite exciting because i like video content me too (laughs) yeah totally and you can see and you can see why it engages people so now looking at kind of like the business part. So you've been going for three years. Yeah. You you almost opened not long before kind of pandemic. You know. Before the
1: world ended. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you you started this. You were working in the salon, is that right? You were there. Yes. Yeah, the so
1: before? before I took it over. Yes. Yeah, so I rented a chair in the salon. So I was freelance. And then what happened was the lady who owned it. She had I think she almost had it for maybe thirteen years. I want to say. She just decided that she wanted to rent a chair somewhere else and she didn't really want the responsibility of having a salon on the high street. So that was fair, but it was really fast when she left. So I think it was like four weeks, maybe three or four weeks before Christmas. And she just said, my lease ends in the new year. I'm not going to be your new unit. Salon doors are closing. You're either going to have to find somewhere else to freelance or there's going to be an opportunity to take on um, the unit. So it was kind of one of those fight or flight kind of (laughs) moments and uh, the other girls in the salon who worked there as well were naturally looking to me like you know what are you going to do about this so I think even just making sure financials were in order like is it even going to be possible to actually do this um so yeah it was really fast and I think it was one of those things where I just thought you know what what's the worst that could happen the worst that could happen is that it won't work and I'll just go and rent a chair somewhere else. You know, so it was just let's go, let's get it done. So the salon was turned around and I think a week our builders were amazing and yes. they refitted the entire salon and we were back on the eighth of January that that year.
0: Yeah. And has so been Three years <laughs> in. So how's I mean, ultimately you've had a tough period. Yeah. You know, every single hairdresser has had a tough period. You've come back, you're now what we now six months back in to what I yeah. class is slightly normal business. How's it looking? How's it feeling?
1: Yeah, I think for us, when we first opened, we really hit the ground running big time. Like we were so busy. I think 10 months in, we had to add like four more chairs to the salon because we were like busting like at capacity. And it just seemed to be everything was falling into place. It was going great. And then obviously COVID hit. And I also had like a staff member start with me like five weeks before. I had promised for all this training. And then literally it was like straight into lockdown. So now that we've come back, I think it's like Groundhog Day. Well, that's what I find anyway. We are so busy with clients that um, it just seemed to be we were closed and then we were in and we were just super, super busy all the time. Things are starting to slowly kind of level out to a degree. Like people are starting to not have to do as many hours now um, because we are getting people fitted in. Obviously, Christmas is coming up. That's going to be a busy one for us anyway. I think it's affected me more so in the training that I want to do with my staff because we were so busy just pure survival mode and like looking after our clients that I feel like almost my staff kind of got neglected a little bit Mm -hmm. um and I, I couldn't give to them what I wanted to with regards to like education and training and things like that so that's something that I really want to focus on especially now in the new year I really want to make sure that I'm doing a lot more of that with them they're getting a lot more in salon training a lot more like out of salon courses and things like that because I think sometimes you just get so caught up in the business itself and just trying to look mm-hmm. after your clients that we forget about that and education is really important to me. Um, I, think I think it's interesting
0: it's lovely to hear that as well because it's certainly something that we've sort of focused on and I think it's it's almost like trying to bring it back you know I, I call this whole experience it's, it's been like a tsunami yeah that's 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 what I treated it like you know we had the subside that was it kind of lockdown, and then we had this massive wave of clients kind of come in and you just had to deal with it and you had to, you had to sink or swim. You were in that situation and now you've had the sort of receding kind of effect. And I think now is a case of actually just taking stock. We've certainly found, I think from a client perspective, that now people are processing everything that's gone on. I mean, totally your team must be the same as ours. You're all a therapist now. You know? Know. Everyone's a therapist, you know, it's, it's an incredible situation and it's one of the things that I think is probably indeed me more to the industry even in this period more than ever because I've realized how amazing we are as an industry Exactly. and you must have had that in the salon we have had so much of that what actually
1: I think is so lovely is a lot of our clients and I'm sure yours are probably the same you know They are clients and it is a business, but you know, you do become attached to people. Of course you do, whenever you spend a lot of time with them. And what we find actually is when we come back from lockdown, especially the second one, because a lot of our clients, you know, whenever they come in and you say, Hey, you know, how are you? Are you okay? A lot of them would say, No, like I'm not okay. Like I'm really struggling, like this has been really difficult. And I think it's so lovely, though, that we can be that person to say, you know, we can have that chat with them and they can feel comfortable in our salon. We are not an egotistic salon in any way at all. You know, everyone's welcome. And we're very much nearly almost everyone turns the chairs around and we all kind of have like a communal conversation, which is so nice because a lot of salons that I worked in were never like that. You know, no. it was like you sat in the chair and you dealt with your hairstylist and the assistant wasn't allowed to break breath to the client and it's it's not like that now at all I think it's a lot more friendly still professional but I think for our clients a lot of them really did open up because maybe they couldn't whenever they were at home or they were in a, maybe not a great situation at home and it's really nice for us to be able to kind of you know give them something to look forward to and have nice hair and just have a couple of hours just to look after themselves and just self-care is so important
0: I think that's I think that's definitely a huge thing that's happened within the industry is in terms of self-care you can certainly certainly see like statistics-wise that industry has, there is the potential for a huge growth within sort of self-care, but also it's more about like the team. Do you find like now that you're also having to self-care the team? Because they're often sort of dealing with quite a lot. I mean, I know certainly with with my guys, there are days when they take on quite a lot from people. So it's, it's trying to sort of maintain them. So they're in the best kind of health condition as well. Um, Particularly now coming up to what I would class as the silly season, you're, yeah. there's, there's a lot of reassurance that you have to do as a salon owner. Do you find that?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think we would all be naive to say that it hasn't affected us all in some way or another. I think, thank goodness, my team are when we came back, they were they were ready to go. They were ready to come back to work and they wanted to come back. I know there was a lot of salons who were dealing with staff who you know they hadn't been around people and they were nervous about coming back and being around clients all the time and i think that's understandable thankfully i didn't have that um i think no matter if you have a group of people there's always going to be people who have different issues maybe with like mental health or you know self care and i think it's just being on their level and just being there for them when you need you need to be um but equally like i am normally firing on, on all cylinders and this year like I have like I haven't been well either and I've actually found like my staff have been so amazing with me rescheduling clients and changing things because of certain days where I couldn't be in and normally it's me who's looking after them but actually i found the last couple of months it's actually them that have been looking after me and I think if anything though it was the best thing because it's shown me how they can do it whenever you're just like thrown in like that, it's like, they can't do it. You know, they were essentially running a salon for like a week and a half without me there. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were taking orders. They were booking clients. They were doing everything. And I'm thinking this place could probably run without me actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's amazing. And I think with clients and everyone with self-care, it is, it's just so, so important.
0: And that's good because that's empowering people and ultimately empowering your team is I think as a salon owner and as, as any owner in business is one of the best things you can do because I think you know I think most owners of businesses will generally try and do everything and actually you can't you have to take a step back and actually delegating to your team is a great thing. I wanted to just just go back just quickly because you run a system in the salon. I know when we sort mm-hmm. of spoke briefly before this, so you have a, a mixture, don't you? Of employed and self employed, is that right? Yeah. You know so. It's an interesting system. And I think there's been a lot of conversations that have gone on about this in certainly in the, in the last couple of months within the industry. How do, how do you manage that within your business? How does that work for you? Because I think it's, this is quite an interesting subject, I think, for listeners at the minute.
1: Yeah, I think the whole um, self-employed or employed business model is it's a huge topic now, isn't it? Um, I think both work for me because I think it's finding the right people. And it's making sure that, so for example, my self-employed girls, they don't want to be employed. You know, they want to work the hours that they choose. They want to earn their own money. They want to come and go as they please. Uh, They want to be freelance. So therefore, they're quite happy because that's exactly what they want to do. Mm -hmm. My employed girls, equally, they want a mentor. You know, they're not, they maybe don't feel like experienced enough that they want to go out and do that. They want to know what their wages are going to be at the end of the week. They want to have the stability of knowing what their hours are every week. And I think it's as long as the, what should I say? As long as the staff themselves know what they want. And if you can guide them in the right direction, then it can work because my employee girls don't want to be freelance and my freelancers don't want me to be their boss. Mm -hmm. So I think um, it's just making sure, I think the lines can get blurred sometimes. And I know salon owners, I think are scared. And I think, they would be scared of an employed member of staff seeing maybe the money that the freelancers are making and they want to go and do that. But I think regardless, that's going to happen. You know, that's going to happen. People leave all the time. People move. I have done it. and You have done it. And we have all done it. People move around. So I think if that staff member is going to leave, they're going to leave to go to another salon anyway. They're going to go and leave and do something else. But what if they could what if they wanted to make more money? But I also have an opportunity with my business model that they could rent a chair from me. So rather than them actually going and working for someone else or going and opening their own salon, actually, they could come and rent a chair from me and the business is still benefiting from that rather than them leaving completely.
0: It's an interesting one because I think when taking that model now and I've seen, and there literally has, I think even the last couple of weeks, I think, um, I think Trevor Solby, I think a bunch of their salons have started to do that and offer that system. There's a moment where every salon owner has to actually take a step back and go exactly what you just said. If somebody comes along and says to you, actually, do you know what? I want to look after myself and they're already a busy stylist in your salon. Why would you not work with them? And, mm-hmm. this, is, and this is where I think like now the, the sort of transitional change of being flexible is now happening in our industry. And it's happening worldwide. I mean, they're calling it the greatest resignation in history. And I think this is the moment that hairdressing has the opportunity to be different again and actually Mm -hmm. be more flexible. And it's interesting because you're doing it. So you're a prime example. You're running both systems very successfully in a salon. And you're there working on the floor with those people and they are delivering quality every day.
1: Exactly yeah
0: so there, there is there's no drop in quality and I think that's often the fear that a lot of salon owners kind of have and it, it is a completely personal thing so we run a completely self you know completely employed model um, but there is a stage where I always think in the future if you had a number of people that said actually do you know what we want to stay but this is what we'd like to do you would definitely have to you know hear it you definitely Adapt, have to listen yeah, yeah massively. And I think we've all pivoted, haven't we? We've all had to yeah. pivot. My God, you know.
1: Exactly. But I think there will be some salons where people just want to be employed. You know, they want they want to have that security and they want to have a mentor and they're quite happy working a nine to five. And we need hairdressers like that too. Not everybody can be an entrepreneur and want to jet off and do big things all the time. There is some people who just want to work behind the chair and that's okay. And I think sometimes hairdressers, who are that way inclined, sometimes they like, oh, you know, am I not passionate enough? Or maybe I should be doing this. And it's not for everyone. You know, some people are just great at their job and they're just great at being behind the chair and employed salons need that, so they mm-hmm. do.
0: Have you, it's interesting. So I've, I've, again, been looking quite a lot of statistics sort of globally that are happening at the minute. And there is, there is a shift that's happening in the industry as a whole. So there's actually quite a lot of hairdressers that have actually left the industry, like mm-hmm. totally. Um, and there's also been a shift where like salons are starting to close down so there's been yeah. quite a lot of salon closures have you experienced anything like that in the area any local salons that during this are, are no longer there or there was a few
1: yeah. um there was a few Uh if there's a lot of people maybe setting up like cabins back of their house that kind of thing so they're not maybe like on the high street anymore yeah. uh which i get maybe financially that's maybe what they've, they've wanted to do there um But, yeah, it's sad, isn't it? You know, because I think the high street is really where where it's at and it's nice. Um, But, yeah, there has been a little bit, but not a huge amount, um, I want to say. I think a lot of the salons are coming back, like, thriving, thank goodness, like, locally. There's quite a lot of salons in my area, like, two towns close to us, and they all seem to be really, really
0: busy, which is so nice to see. Which is great, because it's one of those where... I, I ultimately love it when there's tons of salons. I think it's great. I love I, a salon.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love it. I,
0: I, I just always feel that there should be, you know, there's enough business for everybody. Of and I think if we're all smart, we can all thrive, which is where we want to be. Um, it's been amazing chatting to you. What I love to do uh, near the end of the shows is I do this. to final five. So this oh, gosh. Is five, <laughs> um these are these are five little questions that um i love they're very off the cuff they can be one word or they're quite short okay um you don't have to overthink it too much i generally treat it as just fire them out and just whatever feels right for you all right Okay. okay um so what i love you to do is what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning and what's the last thing you do when you go to bed
1: first thing that i do is make my bed every single morning cannot start my day without my bed made I feel completely disoriented. so I have to make my bed and before I go to bed set the alarm on my phone
0: (laughs) excellent do you know what making your bed is one of the biggest biggest things of every major entrepreneur do you know that
1: yeah I can't I'm unsettled the whole day if my bed is not made I love that
0: love that um favorite piece of advice you've been given and worst piece of advice
1: oh the favorite piece of advice um Oh, that's so interesting, actually. Um, okay, so I, do you know what? I don't know if I was given it or if I've read this somewhere, but I've definitely picked up on it. So it's about who you surround yourself with. So if you surround yourself with like five idiots, you're like the sixth idiot. <laughs> if you surround yourself <laughs> with five intelligent people, then you are the sixth intelligent person. And it's who, about who you surround yourself with and I think that's really really important I think that's it's making sure that you're not how would you put it that you, that you are you're surrounding yourself with people who want to support you and who are doing well and I think you pivot off of that and the worst piece of advice I've ever been given oh my goodness um oh someone told me they thought that I shouldn't open the salon whenever I got the opportunity
0: there you go you see? <laughs> that was the
1: worst piece of advice I got but I didn't listen to that
0: <laughs> and look at how both of those have changed your life
1: exactly you know? exactly
0: it's it's exactly that you know whenever people say about your five friends your five friends ultimately should be battery chargers not battery drainers you i know, agree they should, they should totally pick you up um and i think we should never be afraid sometimes to actually sometimes walk away as well yeah and actually you know personal growth is again the biggest thing you can give yourself you're only here once so it's kind of exactly like be, that be-, be that best version i um, agree what, uh, what one thing can't you live without?
1: Oh, what one thing could I not live without? Uh, oh, <laughs> I don't know. My glasses, because I can't see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. Because my, my eyes don't about. work. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, love that. Uh, this is the one that always catches people out. Um, one rule that you all think we should abide by. If you could make it a rule.
1: As in like the human race, what we should all abide by?
0: One thing that you think.
1: Oh, um, I think just to be kind, just to be kind. And yeah, I think that's it.
0: (laughs) I love that. That's a very simple one. But the point is we should be more. And I I, I was hoping that a lot of people coming out of kind of this process were going to be like that. But I seem to find we're sort of reverting back. A little oh, okay bit. So it'd be nice to kind of yeah so be kind uh, and then we have um two habits that you think people should maybe carry out daily that you think have a, a positive effect on people
1: i think um probably maybe not being on their phone as much um so sometimes like we would do this at home if we would have put on a movie or something it's like throw the phone into a drawer upstairs and not be distracted um I would say that um and also I turn off all the notifications on my phone all the time so that because you know your phone lights up and you automatically look at it um and it's very distracting so I'll turn off all the notifications so I'll actually only see my phone if I choose to pick it up and go into the app and I think that that gives me like a clearer mind because I think our minds are like hundreds of tabs that are open on Google and we're just constantly like carrying and spinning plates all the time so it's kind of nice to just Turn the notifications off. And I think that's like a nice habit. Obviously, there's certain things like an emergency or something. That's fair. Um, but I think it's nice to kind of switch off a little bit. I think that's a nice habit to actually not be so consumed by like social media all 100%. of the time.
0: Yeah. Hundred percent. I love that. Love that. It's it's one of those, it's interesting because the fun thing for me is always about why class is being all in. Mm-hmm. And I have this thing now, and it's a habit that we've created within our family. And I always tell people, if you're going to be with somebody, be hundred percent all in. We have airplane mode. It's one of the greatest things ever invented. Yeah. If you're having a conversation with somebody, put it on airplane mode. How many times have you been out where you're out with a friend and you're chatting to them and they've got their phone out and they're, oh, not, I know. And they're not engaged and they're not with you, you know? When I you're around the dinner table with your family, same thing, switch it on airplane mode
1: put it to rest
0: so i love that lorraine that's a great (laughs) um so what we would like to do is where can people find you where can people get hold of you on socials give us a give us a shout out for all your socials
1: okay cool so um my own one is lorraine hume stylist that's on instagram so that is purely a personal account it has a mixture of the things that i like which is maybe hair and a bit of my family life like normal day-to-day things there's no agenda with that account it's just purely for fun and then I have a salon account which is sort of client focused and it is Lorraine Hume hairdressing on Instagram
0: excellent so everyone go and follow Lorraine she's amazing she's epic this girl's gonna have an incredible future so I want you to keep following her and Lorraine thank you for joining me today it's been absolutely amazing we're going to follow on this conversation in the future I'll speak to you very soon